in Ranchester. This holiday season, give the gift that keeps on giving with Sunlight Federal Credit Union. Imagine a 25-month certificate of deposit at a dazzling 5.13% annual percentage yield. With a solid 5% annual percentage rate, starting with just a $500 deposit, you can secure your financial future without breaking the bank. No new money required. Give the gift of savings this holiday season. Member NCUA, Sunlight Federal Credit Union, building a brighter future together. This public service announcement sponsored by Pilch Engineering, providing geological engineering services to Wyoming. Hey Sheridan, AJ Evans here. Please join us for the best New Year's Eve party in town, Roaring 1920's Benefit for the Dog and Cat Shelter. The event will be hosted at the Quintana Ballroom from 7 p.m. to 1 a.m. Buy tickets at the Wire Theater or call 752-7704. Don't miss out since we have limited capacity. For more detail, go to Facebook, N-Y-E-G-A-L-A. Ladies, you know that one thing you've been dying to try but don't know how to get started? Well, I'm here to help. This is Candace Crane, General Manager at Sheridan Honda and Power Sports, and I'd like to invite you to check out my podcast, I Want to Do That, Women Helping Women Explore the Outdoors. This episode, I'm talking to a fellow Wyomingite who loves the snow just as much as I do. Tana shares her transition from skiing to snowmobiling and tips on how you can get started exploring the backcountry. I Want to Do That is sponsored by Ski-Doo and will be available wherever you get your podcast. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting and I am back in the studio after another bout of the vicious COVID. Got uh, its, its hands on my wife and I, but we're feeling better. We both tested negative this morning and uh, hopefully things can get back to our new normal. Now, according to the surgical clinic, the first records of robotic surgery performed in the world happened in the 1980s. Specifically, the first surgical robot, the Puma 560, was used in a brain biopsy procedure. The procedure took place in 1985 as robotics started to be implemented to reduce movement due to hand tremors. A little over a year ago, I spoke with the doctor who would be performing surgeries like this with the very capable Da Vinci surgical system right here in Sheridan. And this morning, I am joined by General Surgeon at Sheridan Memorial Hospital, Dr. Joshua Scott. Good morning, doctor, and welcome back to the show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me again. It's great having you back. Uh, We've kind of gone over just a a little bit of uh, how your year's been. Busy is is the answer, and uh, we'll get into whether busy is good or or (laughs) bad, depending. How's your holiday season been so far? So far, so good. Uh, Pretty typical, I guess, uh, season for us. So, you know, uh, we're still still working at the hospital. We're still busy. People still get sick over the holidays. So <laughs> we're there and still working. Are you uh, sticking around for your holidays? Or are you doing any traveling this year? No, st- just sticking around this year. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm doing uh, a 12-hour drive next week. So uh, oh we're getting prepared for that one. Now, it's been a year since you and I spoke on the use of the Da Vinci surgical system. In that time... 
How many surgeries have you performed with the use of the device? It's a great question. Um, I don't know exactly. I need to actually go back and look at how many I've done. I think it's probably, if I were to guess, close to 80 or 90 surgeries oh my wow. uh, myself. Uh, since we, we uh, got the platform, we started using it uh, just over a year ago. I think it was the middle of November of 2022 when we started doing our first cases with it. And uh, been uh, doing cases with it uh, almost weekly. Um, wow. Since then. So so at least once, approximately at least, at least once a week, you've got a surgery to go in. Yeah, perform. I would typically say so. Maybe even a few Robotic surgeries every week. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. What is considered robotic surgery? Oh, well, you just hit the heart of the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the question there. So what is robotic surgery? And, and there's, you know, a lot of us look at it kind of different ways. A lot of surgeons do. And, and you know, I, I look at it as both a tool. It's a new tool. It um, um, can assist with fixing a problem kind of better than I think, you know, just using our hands. Another way to look at it is it's a, a modality. It's, if it's its own kind of thing. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, we were speaking about the, the first robotics uh, surgeries done in the mid eighties. And it was, you know, due to re- reduce movement of hand tremors. And certainly that's what surgical robotics is now. It's, it's to kind of remove some of the hand tremors, but also to kind of give more, kind of degrees of freedom uh, to do more precise surgery and better optics and so forth. So it, it's, it's kind of a new tool that, uh, to uh, approach surgical problems, problems that we've had for, you know, ever since humanity, essentially, for example, uh, hernias and so forth. And, and uh, what robotic surgery is, it's a tool to, to help us do laparoscopy. And what laparoscopy is, is minimally invasive surgery. It's, Surgery where you use long, thin instruments and a long, thin camera through smaller incisions to fix a surgical problem. Um, and uh, laparoscopy came about about well, 25, 30 years ago, and it kind of changed the way uh, surgeons think about performing surgery because patients, after having laparoscopy or minimally invasive surgery versus the traditional open surgery, the patients recovered better. And kind of over time, the you know, really smart, innovative surgeons uh, pushed the envelope on laparoscopy, and and now that's the standard of care in a lot of situations. And robotic surgery has basically taken laparoscopy kind of further. Uh, Robotic surgery is laparoscopic surgery. Uh, It's what what it is um, in the year of 2023 is... is, uh, Robotic surgery is essentially the same thing as laparoscopic, laparoscopic surgery. It's using long, thin instruments and a long, thin camera. But instead of the surgeon's hands on the instruments and the camera, there's robotic arms attached to it. And uh, the surgeon uh, controls those arms and the camera. So uh, it's not artificial intelligence or anything. The, the, every movement that the robot makes is, is through the surgeon's hands. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we're finding now uh, that the, the technology, the robotic technology is, is quite evolved to a point where it's becoming quite useful. Uh, just kind of that, you know, that curve of technology and innovation is, is kind of getting to uh, that point where 
we're 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 not only finding that you know the robotic surgery has some advantages, but uh, we're able to use it uh, to look at problems uh, kind of in a different way. We're able to approach surgical problems uh, and kind of think about them differently with this new tool. Now you you talked about the idea of of more options, better options. Is that due to just the stability of this machine? So now we can look at a surgery that beforehand would have been high risk, and now it drops that risk just a little bit due to the stability of the tools. And so now other surgeries are becoming an option, whereas before you would have had to have sent these individuals somewhere else, something like that. Yeah, something like that. You know, it, it's hard to say really, you know, is this is this tool making surgery safer? Uh, I think in some instances, possibly um, certain types of procedures we do. Um, is it safer than traditional laparoscopic surgery, open surgery? It's really kind of hard to say. At this point, I think, um, you know, with respect to the safety of the surgery. Mm. Describe this machine to us if someone were to walk into a machine or walk into a room and see it. Right. So if you were to walk into an operating room, uh, what you would see, uh, you know, kind of like a typical operating room, you would see the anesthesiologist cart. You would see the operating room table. You would see the uh, what we call the back table, where we keep kind of all our surgical instruments, and that's what a, you know a typical operating room looks like. A uh, robotic operating room is that it includes all that stuff, but you, you now have a robot, and there's there's uh, three components to a, a Da Vinci system. There, the the main component, you know, is, is we call it uh, the patient, uh, uh, the arms essentially that 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 hold the laparoscopic instruments. So it's a uh, it's basically a uh, a, a uh, four robotic arms attached to a, an adjustable boom that kind of hovers over the patient, and uh, those arms are attached to instruments that 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 the surgeon controls. Uh, you would also see a uh, a, l- a large kind of cart. That's kind of where the brains of the system uh, is, and and a and and a monitors uh, everything. Uh, that plugs into the robot goes through the main kind of computers and that's a separate cart. Um, and then the, uh, the surgeon's console. And so what that is, is it's a, a, a kind of a separate uh, console where the, the surgeon looks through the binoculars essentially and um, has two controllers uh, to, to operate the, the robot. And the, uh, the binoculars are kind of cool because it allows actually uh, 3d, Vision, oh, wow. which is kind of a new thing, uh, you know, uh, uh, with the um, innovation of robotic surgery. Uh, typically, laparoscopic surgery is is two dimensions, and you know, the robot uh, you know, allows three dimensions, which is, you know, kind of neat. I will say, <clears throat> excuse me, I will say that uh, when I imagined what you see. <laughs> That's what I saw: two D image, kind of like what we see on the news and and documentaries where we just kind of see the device fishing through tissue until it reaches whatever it was going for. Now it's three dimensions. Does that add a bit of challenge or does it make it easier to do that? That's a great question. So, you know, there's the nice thing about the robot, there is a learning curve to using it. Uh, although, you know, I don't think that curve is, is terrible. You know, I, I think there, you know, any surgeon who does laparoscopic surgery can really, um, uh, 
transition into robotic surgery surgery fairly easily. And I think it's because robotic surgery is a it's basically a new tool, uh, a tool to kind of do what we normally do, laparoscopic surgery. And so, you know, I think the the learning curve going from laparoscopic surgery or laparoscopic surgeon uh, going into a robotic uh, surgery is, is is not so bad. But uh, there is a little bit of adjustment and, and going from a two dimension to a three dimension kind of thing uh, does you know require a little bit of adjustment. But it's really not that bad. It's it's something that it, because it's. Um, so useful, I think it, it, you, your, your brain you know, as a surgeon really kind of gets used to it fairly quickly. And, and, and uh, you, there's the advantage from that uh, for that as well. Now, how, describe how you use this um, from, and I would say from the very beginning, is this the only thing that's going to be say touching my body, uh, opening tissue, does it do the initial slice or, or is a nurse standing there doing <laughs> that one precise right. slice and then the tools go in? That, that's a great question. So uh, so a typical kind of robotic surgery uh, in, to get things set up, uh, of course, the surgeon is, is, is starting. So I, I'll be starting. I'll be all scrubbed in and sterile and just kind of like any operation we do, an open operation or a laparoscopic operation. Uh, to, to get the robotic instruments inserted requires the incisions and, you know, the surgeon or I do that. Um, and um, once those incisions are made and, and uh, then we bring the robot in and we, we, we do what we call dock the robot. And, and what that is, 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 is attaching those arms to these little cannulas or we call or trocars uh, that, that go into the, you know, patient's abdomen or whatever, you know, surgical cavity you're working in. And um, we attach those those robotic arms. We insert the instruments that we're going to be using in the camera as well. And then then uh, once that's all done, uh, I take off my surgical gown and and uh, I sit down at the console. Uh, I take my shoes off because there are foot pedals on the uh, the surgeon's console, and uh, and uh, I'm, I'm seated at the console and and I perform the surgery there. And once that everything is done, uh, you know. The, Essentially, the goals of the operation have been complete. We then have to undock the robot. So then what I do is I, I put, uh, get sterile again. I put the surgical gown back on, and I go back to the, the, the bedside of the, the patient, and we undock the robot, we re- remove the instruments, and then we close the incisions, and that's it. Then the patient goes to the recovery room after they wake up. That's pretty amazing. So yeah. is this thing got enough, enough dexterity that you perform sewing in side the body right before you take the tools out exactly so that's that's one of the advantages of the of the of the robot is it it just allows more dexterity um, uh, using the minimally invasive approach so traditionally uh, laparoscopic surgery are these uh, straight instruments we call it some surgeons call it straight stick laparoscopy where it's kind of like chopsticks almost and and uh, what the robot allows is it has wristed instruments so the end of the the long instruments, so the laparoscopic instruments, the the robot instruments have wrists, so they can we can move them around just like I'm moving my hands around, and so that does allow uh, suturing much much easier uh, and more efficient uh, than without that. So it really does allow the, that more degrees of freedom. So 
you know, the way it's evolved, it, you know, there's no trimmer anymore, uh, kind of like the initial uh, robots, but this also allows a lot more degrees of freedom with the wristed instruments, better visualization, and uh, surgeon comfort, I think, as well. Which is, <laughs> surgeon comfort, it, yeah. It, you, know, it, you know, it kind of sounds selfish a little bit, but, you know, when, when the surgeon's comfortable, I think cases go better. Uh, you know, operations go better. When I'm, you know, when the surgeon's comfortable, the... The nurses in the operating room are comfortable. The, the tech is more comfortable. The anesthesiologist, you know, kind of brings that kind of level of, you know, potential anxiety down a little bit. So there's that kind of, you know, unspoken, I think, also benefit of, of, of the robot. That's pretty amazing that it can gyrate just like a wrist. Yeah, exactly. A th- I wouldn't say 360, but our wrist is pretty close to doing a 360. Uh, there's that back on the on the back half of the wrist that kind of twists a little bit, so I imagine the robot can do even more. Yeah. Now, on that, i got to take a quick commercial break. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Sheridan. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Sheridan Community Land Trust is receiving these funds for random drawing. We're giving $1,000 away every week to a qualified nonprofit organization. Next week, it could be your nonprofit. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment, member FDIC. You know that old non-functioning 404 snowmobile that you have that you'll never ride again? Well, you can recycle that old girl for cash and her parts will cybernetically be transplanted to give other machines a new chance at life. And you don't even have to pry it up from the weeds that has it welded to the ground. Handos will make you an offer, haul it away, and repurpose your parts to breathe life back into another machine. Call Handos today and free up that spot for the treadmill you never use. Handos Service Center on Sheridan, Parkland Drive. Midas is rolling out a special this holiday season, which means big savings to you. Check out these amazing offers. Shocks and struts. Buy three, get one free with lifetime warranty. Iron Man car tires as low as 79 bucks, And truck tires, 149 bucks. Midas has brake specials, $20 off oil change, and to top it all off, a 12 months no interest financing with a Midas card. Gear up for a magical season with a few more bucks in your pocket at Midas Tire and Auto in Sheridan. Just in time for your holiday dinners, the Health Nut announces that they have organic and natural turkeys, Beeler's spiral-cut hams, gluten-free and regular stuffing, fresh organic cranberries, organic yams and potatoes, gluten-free and regular gravy, gluten-free and regular dinner rolls, gluten-free and regular homemade pies, dairy-free and regular whipped topping. Order your Thanksgiving pies early. Pick them up to ensure they are fresh. The Health Nut, for healthy holiday dinners. Hi, this is Kitty Merrill at Buffalo Realty, introducing 152 Highway 16 East in Buffalo. This 36-acre parcel adjacent to the city limits, it offers mountain views and a beautiful creek runs the entire length of the east edge of the property. Perfect for whatever you can imagine, development of residential homes, multifamily, and commercial. There are no covenants. Location is amazing and possibilities are endless. Call me, Kitty Merrill, at Buffalo Realty, connecting people with property. 
It's time again for Letters to Me. Just click on the Santa Letter button in Contests and Promotions on SheridanMedia.com. Type in your child's letter to me, and every Friday morning, Santa will read the letters received that week live during the 7 a.m. hour on the Tommy and Bell Coyote Morning Show. One good little boy and girl will be chosen to receive a special toy courtesy of Kids Curious. Thanks to Buckingham Lumber, Jack and Kathleen Wood of 307 Real Estate, and Sheridan Media for this special hotline to Santa. Ho, ho, ho! and welcome back to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting. This morning, I am speaking with the general surgeon at Sheridan Memorial Hospital, Dr. Joshua Scott. Now, he uses the Da Vinci surgical system right here in Sheridan to perform robotic surgeries. We talked about this when it somewhat debuted last year. And so we're bringing him back in a little over a year and we're checking in to see just how everything has gone. Now, are, are all surgeons trained in the use of the da Vinci system, or is this something very, very specific to you, doctor? It, it is not specific to me. Um, it's it's uh, uh, I've been trained in robotics before I came to Sheridan, so I kind of had that skill set before I came to Sheridan Memorial Hospital. Um, kind of with my arrival and and the um, just the uh, the wonderful support we've had with the administration and the foundation up there to obtain the robot, um, you know, brought this new technology in for uh, you know for myself to use, but not just for myself, but for for my colleagues and and um, uh, I, I work with three other just fantastic partners, general surgeons here in town. And uh, uh, one of them right now, Dr. McGuire, is, 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 she's done some cases on the, on the robot, and she's real excited about that, and I'm excited for her to, to get on that. And uh, I, I'm hoping that it continues to expand uh, to my other partners as well. So when you're, <clears throat> excuse me, when you're sitting in front of the, I guess you could say the console, yeah. and you've got pedals at your feet, how many pedals are there? I have to think about that. There are, you know, it's kind of muscle memory. Uh, right. You know, so I have to kind of think think how many pedals there are. There are um, s- some pedals that we use uh, for electrocautery, sort of like electrical energy uh, uh, pedals to switch kind of the camera and the angles of the camera. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, I think probably seven or eight pedals. My so, goodness. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. up there like an organist. Yeah, exactly. That's, I think I just described that to someone the other day. It's like, yeah, I kind of feel like an organist. You know, but, <laughs> it's pretty uh, amazing. In a way, yeah. So as as you said, muscle memory, though, when you sit in front of that console, you're, you've done so many of this, you've trained so much that you just know where your foot has to go and just got to pivot on that heel. Exactly right. Yeah. And I imagine it's similar to kind of a, you know, an organist, uh, you know, where, where they practice, 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 and, and they, they kind of, you know, obtain and learn this muscle memory. And I think it's, you know, I think not just robotic surgery, but surgery in general, that's what it is. You yeah. know, the, it's muscle memory and, and that extends into, you know, the, the, the robot also. Now, when it comes to your, uh, for lack of a better term, joysticks, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's appropriate. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to compare what we've done, <laughs> but I worked on a, a very specialized type of crane that was uh-huh. pressure sensitive. 
So my sticks when I was on this crane, uh, depending on how hard I pushed that joystick, depended, uh, well, the result was either the speed or the, the strength of my crane. Is this similar? Are, are your joysticks all based on pressure and rotation? Great question. So the answer to that is no, not really. Oh, really? So okay. yeah, you would think so that you would think that we, you know, we call tactile feedback. It's important. Uh, you know, we need to be able to feel the tissues and, 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 um, you know, as we're operating and as we're, we're dividing and suturing and, and all that, um, the, the robot, the technology they have now does not uh, provide that tactical feedback. Um, in, in, you know, the more, as I do more robotic surgery, the, the more I, I think that it's really not necessary. And, and the, the reason I say that is, is, you know, what I think makes a good robotic surgeon is just a, you know, a good surgeon in general, but also a, a, a good laparoscopic uh, surgeon. So as we gain experience as surgeons, we, we know how tissues feel. We know how much pressure, how much stretch we can put on it, on a tissue. Um, and, um, with a robot, you just, it's, you just kind of know that as a surgeon, you don't really necessarily need to know that, uh, you know, if you're pulling too hard, that you're pulling too hard. It's just, just something that's in kind of innate in a surgeon or an experienced surgeon who, who works with these tissues all the time. So, you know, I, I, I imagine they, they might, there might, you know, the, the innovators of robotic surgery are working on ways to obtaining tactile feedback in, in robotic surgery. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if we have that in the next generation robots, but uh, I, I don't really think it's, it's critical at all. In your research of the next generation, is that something that you, you keep up on quite a bit, reading medical journals that pertain to robotic surgery specific? Kind of, um, s- sort of not really. Um, you know, I, I do think that, uh, you know, robotic surgery is, is, is the future of surgery uh, in some form or another. Um, kind of where, where I see surgery going is, is we call image-guided surgery, where, where in, uh, we can maybe use more uh, images, such as like CAT scans and so forth, to kind of guide the surgery. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about artificial intelligence, um, you know, in a lot of different aspects. Um, and I think surgery, uh, you, you know, there'll, there'll be artificial intelligence involved in surgery someday. And I, I can see that sort of being married with, with the robotic surgery as well. So, you know, as it stands now, the, you know, all surgeries are done with basically human brains and, you know, human hands, either with their, with their own hands through laparoscopic instruments or through robotics. There's no, there's no artificial intelligence yet uh, in, in surgery. And I, I think it's just because uh, the human body and, 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 surgical diseases are so complex and complicated to be able to teach, uh, you know, artificial intelligence to do surgery is that's a huge task. Uh, it might come during my lifetime. I hope it does. It'll be kind of kind of neat, but, um, yeah, that's kind of how I think about kind of the, the future of, of robotics is I don't think it's just going to be the robotics itself, but other technologies, imaging, possible artificial intelligence, it all kind of comes up together. I think so. Yeah. 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 I I think, I don't think it's going to be one without the other. I'm just, I'm just, just talking here. I don't really know. No, I love this conversation. I think think that's where it's going to go. Yeah. The idea, you know, when it comes to artificial intelligence is something that we actually end up talking about quite a bit because it is such a massive thing right now. The accumulation of algorithms 
on top of each other is is what we're determining to be artificial intelligence as of right now. For me, I don't I don't like the term that the the industry is using just because I don't feel that there's anything sentient there. It's not making its own decisions. It's just stacking on top of mathematical algorithms over and over again. The fact that a human brain has got to be behind everything still actually gives me comfort. Um, (laughs) And I'm sure it actually probably does a lot of individuals as well. When your patients come in, uh, we're kind of an old-fashioned community. Is there a lot of... uh, apprehension from some of your patients as to, I'm not sure how I feel about that. You know, that's a great question. Um, you know, since, you know, I've been here a year and been doing robotic surgery now since I've been here. And, and, you know, I would say for the most part, you know, kind of when I explain to the patient what robotic surgery really is, you know, they, you know, they feel a lot more relaxed and, mm-hmm. and, you know, more trusting of the technology. But so there's certainly, I think, a, you know, a certain percentage out there are like, oh, you know, I, I'm not real sure about this, you know, um, in, in, I think some of that probably does stem from, you know, this notion that, you know, th- this is a robot doing my surgery and I don't want a robot doing my surgery. And that's completely understandable. I mean, as a surgeon, I wouldn't want, you know, a robot, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, I, you know, I'd want someone, you know, uh, with a brain, uh, doing the surgery through a robot or whatnot. And so, uh, you know, I think a lot of it's just, just kind of, um, you know, educating the patients on what robotic surgery really it is, the, the, um, you know, the benefits of robotic surgery, the indications for the robotic surgery. And, you know, it's, it's not a tool that, I, that we can fix every surgical problem with, but uh, it's, it's, it's a useful tool for a lot of different types of surgeries we do. Now, um, how many surgeons does Sheridan Memorial Hospital have? You have three total in your office, we have, correct? Yeah, three other general surgeons in our office. And that's it, that yeah, of the general surgeons. As, as yeah. far as surgeons go. Correct. Now, are, um, how, how long did you train before you actually worked on a living patient with this device? Do you remember? So, um, yeah, I do remember. So, you know, as a lot of, a lot of folks know, you know, surgeons, the, the training path is quite long uh, and, and, and rigorous. Um, uh, by the time I... So we, we, you know, we go to medical school and then we do our surgical training after medical school in, in a residency. And that's typically for a general surgeon between five and seven years. There's usually a research year sometimes involved in that. Wow. And, and, um, and that's where, you know, that's where we really learn uh, surgery is kind of an apprenticeship type uh, of learning. Um, and then once we're, we're done a residency, then you're, you're on your own. And, and when I um, finished residency, the, the, this, kind of latest iteration of, of the robot hadn't really come about just yet. So uh, I didn't learn the robotics during my residency. So that came after, after I was uh, what we call an attending surgeon for uh, several years. I, I, I uh, did get some mentorship in robotic surgery. I did a, an additional a year of training at the University of Virginia for advanced, it's called advanced mentally invasive surgery, that, which included robotics. So I had a great mentor there. Uh, who who mentored me on on robotic surgery? But you know, again, it's it's kind of robotic surgery. Really, is not really much different than like laparoscopic surgery. It's just kind of the use of a tool, uh, really. So it really, just gives you a better base and and more tools to use that's, with the wrists. That's and, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. It's it's instead of as you as you described in the first part of the show, instead of you and a colleague standing over top of the patient using the tools with your own hands, now those tools are set on a, on a stable base and you're basically right. operating them from a different console. Right. Yep. So I mean it's really more it's more or less you doing 100% exactly. of the surgery. Yeah, 100% of it. Yep. And I'm I'm looking down through my questions here. Forgive me. If we start all the way back at the beginning, what led you into surgery? Uh, did you know that you wanted to be a doctor and you didn't know which direction <laughs> to go until later? Or yeah, that's exactly right. It was actually kind of kind of the opposite. Um, uh, when I was younger, I didn't really want to be a doctor uh, for quite some time. Um, my father was a doctor and, and, uh, you know, really looked up to him and admired him and the work that he did and, and the sacrifices he made for his patients in the community really kind of touched me, but it's, it wasn't something I really wanted to do, uh, when I was younger. Uh, but my mind changed, um, uh, as I, uh, kind of went through college and after college, uh, I was, I started working with, um, surgeons as part of a, I was in a research lab. And I really liked science. I liked the kind of the bench work, but the kind of just the, the bench science stuff was really quite lonely for me. I really yeah. wanted, a, I wanted, you know, to interact with people. And I know uh, a lot of biologists and they spend yeah. a lot of time in a lab over top of the microscope and that's about where they sit. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that I couldn't do. Um, um, so, you know, I was working with some, some, uh, part of some of the research projects I, I, I was involved with, we worked with army surgeons and, and I was really inspired by what they did and, uh, the work they were doing and, and they were able to work with patients and, you know, make patients better with their hands and cutting edge stuff. It, it, yeah. It was really kind of cool stuff they were doing there. Uh, these, these, these surgeons were, were doing some, uh, work with DARPA. Uh, which is wow. you know the uh, defense 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 agency the defense agency that does a lot of really cool stuff, and um, um, and then about that time nine eleven happened and and uh, you know I felt you know this is what I want to do I want to be an army surgeon I want to go help these oh, wow. soldiers who are getting hurt and you know kind of at that time it's still it was still kind of a long path I still had medical school to do and 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 surgical residency and and so I did that through the army. And uh, yeah, for that reason, so I could could do surgery and and take care of soldiers. So that's an amazing story. I, I can't remember if you and I touched on that last time. I think we did just yeah, a little maybe bit. A little. Yeah. But uh, that, I mean, if if you were going to do surgery, you know, I can't think of a better training field than that right there. Yeah, you know, being in the army, going over there, uh, some of the injuries and the trauma that you have experienced and and had to help out with boy that's that's literally cutting edge stuff yeah uh, uh one thing that i remember the blood clot uh bandage that yeah. they gave all of us uh you probably were at the forefront of the, uh, that kind of technology kind of yeah actually that's funny that you mentioned that some of the the work that i did before medical school working with the army surgeons was working with uh some of the hemostatic dressings the very first generations of of that Wow. And they're still in existence today. We we when I was deployed, they we had them with us, which was kind of cool. So a little bit kind of full circle on that. You know, I was working on some of these hemostatic dressings, and I was able to use them 
on soldiers, you know, you know, when I was deployed. We all had one in our pocket. That, that yeah. was the lifesaver. We knew where it was. It was the same place on everybody, just so we knew it was there right. when we had to reach for it. So how did you get from Army Surgeon to Doctor in Sheridan? <laughs> So uh, I did uh, five years of active duty time and, and um, you, you, as m- most soldiers and, you know, uh, uh, military members know that we, there's a lot of movement moving around and, and uh, we call that PCSing. I'm sure you did a lot of that. Or, uh, <laughs> I was the National Guard. When they PCSed uh, oh, yeah. me, it was all within the state. But oh, yes, nice. I yeah. have been so PCSed. We, we were kind of jumping all around and, and you know, I, I grew up here in Sheridan and Sheridan's always been my home and, and um I've really just been kind of homesick for a long time, and and the opportunity came up um, uh, uh, here in Sheridan, the surgical opportunity, and and um, uh, that was about the time I was finishing up my active duty time, and and uh, I, and I did this extra year of training in at the University of Virginia, and and uh, we considered you know, coming back here, and and it's really just been just been wonderful. Just got we got a great hospital, I got great colleagues up there, great staff. It's, it's, it's really, it's, this is a great job here it really for a is. surgeon. Yeah. I think my, a lot of my surgical colleagues, if they knew uh, how great it was, they'd be quite jealous of me. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine they would. These mountains, boy, I'll tell you, they get in your soul. Don't oh, they? I, oh they yeah. They get in your soul. And uh, being able to come back with such a, a fantastic hospital uh, in such a small city, it, it's not a usual thing. Is it? I mean, it, it, not a lot of places our size have hospitals this capable. Yeah. And uh, we're going to touch on those capabilities when we come back. I've got to take another quick commercial break. We'll have more with Dr. Scott after this. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM Sheridan. Are you ready to make this holiday season truly merry and bright? Look no further than First Federal Bank and Trust for our exclusive holiday CD special. For a limited time, enjoy a fantastic 5.38% annual percentage yield on their three-month CD special with no minimum deposit required. That's right, $0 to get started. Or if you're looking to make a grand investment, we're offering a remarkable 5.48% APY for those who open with $250,000 or more. Don't wait. This holiday CD special won't last long. Visit us online at efirstfederal.bank. Member FDIC. The Sheridan Wrestling Club is seeking gold, silver, and bronze sponsors for the 2024 wrestling season. Sponsorship helps keep costs low as possible for kids to participate by funding facility rentals, mat replacements, T-shirts for all participants, and scholarships for those unable to afford membership. Gold sponsorship is $500, silver is $200, and bronze is $100. A team T-shirt's given for every $100 donated. They encourage any person or organization interested in sponsoring Sheridan Wrestling Club to find Sheridan Wrestling Club on Facebook. Email them at SheridanWrestlingClub at gmail.com or by calling 406-390-2768 for more information. Sheridan Wrestling Club is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization. A reminder to all boys and girls interested in wrestling, registrations now open at SheridanWrestlingClub.weebly.com. Wrap Plumbing and Heating has been serving Sheridan since 2010. With all these years of experience, you can rely on them to handle all of your plumbing and heating needs. 
From new construction to remodels, repairs of existing systems to retrofitting, Wrap Plumbing and Heating can do it all. They are professional, clean, and courteous. Call 429-1196 for all your plumbing or heating needs. As we like to say, if you find a leak, let Dan take a peek. Hi, Wyoming. It's Congresswoman Harriet Hageman. What a beautiful year in Wyoming. I don't think I have ever seen it so green for so long and with such an abundance of grass and vegetation. We are truly blessed. Our office is here to help with all interactions with the federal government. If you are having trouble with the IRS or VA, need help obtaining a passport, or have questions regarding other agency action, please don't hesitate to contact our office in Cheyenne at 829-3299 or the Casper office at 261-6595. I hope to see you soon. And for a schedule of our events, please visit hegeman.house.gov. While you are there, please sign up for our weekly newsletter to stay informed about the votes and issues that are important to Wyoming. I'm praying for you and your family, and we look forward to hearing from you. Paid for by official funds authorized by the House of Representatives. Good morning and welcome back to Public Calls, proudly brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting, and this morning I'm speaking with the general surgeon at Sheridan Memorial Hospital, Dr. Joshua Scott. He uses a very specific device known as the Da Vinci Surgical System right here in Sheridan to perform very specific surgeries on some of our residents. Now, Doc, let's uh, let's jump back into the, the robotic surgery. I don't have a lot of time left with you, but what are the benefits of a robotic surgery as opposed to a traditional one? Right. So I, I would say twofold. So... You know, like I was saying before, robotic surgery is minimally invasive surgery. It's laparoscopic surgery, and and uh, laparoscopic surgery, just like robotic surgery, is is surgery through little little incisions you know, using long thin instruments and a long thin telescope. And and uh, you know, advantage of that is is typically quicker recovery uh, uh, for patients. Um, another advantage is is you know what that the tool i think you know it affords certain types of surgeries uh i think that uh, that um uh where the the robot really shines are in some some types of surgeries some more kind of difficult kind of cases um uh some case, uh surgeries where we're working kind of high up in the abdomen around the esophagus and the the uh-huh. stomach um uh weight loss surgery uh, I think it's useful, and in, in, and with uh, hernia surgery uh, as well, I think kind of affords, um, yeah, I think not necessarily a better surgery, but but uh, perhaps like a more efficient surgery and, and able to kind of approach the the surgical problems, kind of think about them a little bit differently. To um, you know, I think could per- perhaps offer even uh, you know better type surgery. The yeah, you know, the other thing that it affords is is. Um, um, you know, for the surgeon himself, uh, doing surgery, it's very, the ergonomics of surgery is not very good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and over a lifetime of doing surgery, you're, you know, a lot of surgeons, I know a lot of older surgeons, um, you know, they have a lot of arthritis in their necks, in their backs, and it really takes a toll on the body. And uh, with robotic surgery, I think that that kind of um, off lifts some of that stress on the, on the body. Uh, Cause we're now 
operating sitting down at a at a console and not kind of leaning over a patient, kind of straining our necks, looking down. Uh, so there's that as well, I think. You know, and that's something I hadn't thought of. Uh, and, you know, excuse my selfishness. I didn't think about the comfort of my doctor who's been leaning over top of right. patients for their entire lives, basically right. kind of doing the same movement. Everything's yeah. got to be so still. Right. Uh, while you're doing these s- small procedures. And so I could only imagine the discipline, the self-discipline that has to go along with your surgeon. That's something I've never thought yeah, about until just now, it's, Doc. It's the, the, the raw, there's, a, I think, two, two surgeons I've met who were kind of at the, near the end of their careers thinking about retirement, and, and they, uh, they decided to give the robot a try. You know, they're, they're skeptical old surgeons and, and they're like, you know, I, I've been doing surgery my whole life and, and this, this yeah. is the way What's I do this it. Dang and, robot and it, and it works and, and, and it has, I mean, these are incredible surgeons and, but they, you know, they, they did. So, you know, they're like, well, I'll, I'll give this robotic surgery a try. And, and they did it. And they, they said, you know, this gave me kind of new life. Wow. Uh, yeah. Where it's like, I was thinking of retiring, but now I'm going to maybe, you know, hang on for a few more years. Maybe another it's decade kind of, in you. Kind of exciting for them, but also it's, you know, it's easier on their bodies. So, it's wow. kind of, it, you know, it, there's that, you know, I think Huge that, that, advantage. That, that counts for something too, you know. I, I definitely would say so. Yeah. Um, you know, the extending a great surgeon's life's career span. Right. Um, it's amazing because when that knowledge walks out the door, it's gone. Right. And and so to be able to retain that for even two or three more years just because, oh, right. wow, now all I got to do is sit at, at this desk or at this console. The console, yeah. And I'm refreshed. That's a fantastic. That's something I never thought about. Me mm. and my wife call that shrimping. The way you got to <laughs> yeah. lean yeah, over a good... like, a, like a shrimp. She does it at her art table. I, I, oh, I'm, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried about her. I'm going to get her something that sits up a little higher. Now... If if we were to take a step back and ask, what do you enjoy most about using this device? We're getting a little more lighthearted on this, but what do you really like about it? That's a great question. Um, like, are you ever I, having fun? I'm having fun. Uh, you know, and it, that's another thing, too. I think that it does add more fun, uh, uh, you know, to, to a surgeon's career. It can, you know, and it certainly, I think, has mine. It's... Um, I think what makes it fun is, is, is I'm able to, you know, do things that I can't do with my hands, uh, just kind of with the wristed instruments and, and do it kind of more comfortably. And, and, um, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I'd have to ask the, the nurses and the techs in my OR, but I think we have more fun when we're doing robotic surgery. I think everybody does. And I, I, I think it's just, uh, it maybe maybe it just brings that level anxiety down a little bit. You know, there's there's always a level anxiety in the operating room. Uh, I gotta and, keep and my hands steady. Everyone be quiet. And it's necessary. You know, yeah. I, I don't ever want that that level anxiety to ever go away. Uh, but but it does. I think bring it down enough that we're we're, we're all more comfortable and and. Um, uh, and I think you know when when everyone in the room is more comfortable, things just go better. Yeah, and that's what you want. <laughs> yeah. You know. Exactly. Uh, you know, <laughs> but it, I, I did have to add, ask that question because I would think that uh, just being able to interact with the technology itself, right. you know, makes your job a little more fun, which may exactly. sound strange, right. but you're not a surgeon because it's boring. No, right? I think it's, you know, anyone can probably relate to kind of how I feel when I'm when I'm using the robot, when you get kind of a new tool. 
or you know something that whether that be a drill or a, a nice drill hammer or a, yep. you know brand new pickup truck that's got a lot of horsepower you know you just kind of like man this is cool you know and so, suddenly realizing it's, it's that yeah you know that's a probably good analogy yeah you know <laughs> yeah. It, when you get something new and, and cool like that so uh i've only got about three minutes left with you so let's explore if someone out there is listening and they're like wow maybe my surgery will be robotic maybe what surgeries would you say you deal with the most here in Sheridan uh, for robotic surgery? Yeah, so I do. I would say the majority of uh, the surgeries I do on the robot are hernia surgery. Uh, uh, agricultural area. Uh, yep. Yeah. 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 Um, and, um, I, you know, I, the, the next would be some of the kind of typical general surgery type surgeries like uh, gallbladder removals. Um uh, I think the robot really shines for really difficult, sick gallbladders. Uh, I do some anti-reflux, you know, uh, gastroesophageal oh, wow. reflux disease surgery with the robot. And I think the robot is, is a very useful tool for, for that type as well. Well, that's amazing. Uh, now, hernias, I would think, I, I don't know the name of the surgery, but to go in and get the appendix out, is mm-hmm. that something that you see and do quite a bit? Oh, yeah. So that's probably the most common or second most common surgery that a general surgeon does, you know, that that's typically an emergency surgery, appendicitis, appendicitis. We call that an appendectomy. And uh, typically that's done laparoscopically, long thin instruments and a long thin, you know, camera that can be done on a robot. Uh, not necessarily need the robot for that type of surgery because it's usually pretty quick, simple surgery. But for, for appendixes that are really bad, really sick and ruptured and stuff, you know, the robot, I think, does have an advantage there. So that could be an indication. If someone thought, you know, I, this might give me an advantage, does the doctor basically recommend this, or can a patient go, I'd like to try that robot? Yeah, it, it would be, yeah, through the doctor, a discussion a patient would have with, with his or her surgeon, uh, you know, uh, kind of determining is, is the robotic tool uh, useful for whatever surgical problem you may or may, may, or may not have. So... Um, it's, you know, it works very well in certain instances. Sometimes it, you know, there's, it's really hard to tell if there's really an advantage in certain situations. Well, doc, I'm going to thank you so much for, for coming back and visiting me again. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show and, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to kind of explore your time in the service and my time in the service and things that we've both kind of seen and done while we were there. So I greatly appreciate you. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas, sir. Same to you. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Shared. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Sheridan Community Land Trust is receiving these funds for random drawing. We're giving $1,000 away every week to a qualified nonprofit organization. Next week, it could be your nonprofit. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment, member FDIC.
If you're a Sheridan City resident, now's the time to sign up to receive critical emergency alerts from the city on your cell phone. Get information on severe weather, snow removal parking requirements, service outages, and more. The city's goal is for every city resident to sign up and receive these time-sensitive notifications, and now's the best time to do it. For more information and to sign up, scan the QR code in this week's Country Bounty or click the link on SheridanMedia.com. I'm here today with Candace Crane from Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Tommy, hi. Tis the season. Are you done shopping yet? I'm a last-minute guy. Well, lucky for you, we have a great deal on gifts for all your outdoor-loving family and friends. All gear and apparel are buy one, get one half off. It's like a gift for you and a gift for them. Ah, get one for Belle and me, matching goggles. Or mono suits, jackets, sweatshirts, t-shirts, helmets, and gear bags. And if you really want to go big, our Junior Renegade ATVs are also buy one, get one half off. Shop and save on holiday gifts at Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. The grand reopening of Legacy Diamond and Gems with their total store remodel is complete and better than ever. With Christmas just around the corner, stop into their exquisitely remodeled store and see the latest jewelry. Jewelry Designs, Legacy Diamond and Gems, where quality jewelry at an affordable price is always in style. Their staff of jewelry professionals are always ready to assist you in finding that perfect gift of fine jewelry that says, I love you. Legacy Diamond and Gems, 11 North Main Street, downtown Sheridan. Ready for a new career? McDonald's restaurants in Sheridan have an excellent opportunity for you. McDonald's is on the lookout for full-time shift managers to lead the team to success. Starting at an impressive $21 per hour, this open-to-close position, including weekends, offers stability and opportunities for advancement. This shift manager position has a starting pay of $21 per hour. Visit mchire.com to submit your application online or stop by any Sheridan McDonald's location to pick up an application. McDonald's is an equal opportunity employer. Perhaps with you as with us, it's the merry voices and the smiling faces of children that make Christmas such a warm and pleasant time. Jim and Brenda Haskett and the staff at Truebill Builders would like to send a joyous greeting to everyone. One of the real joys of Yuletide is the opportunity to put aside the routine and wish customers, friends, and neighbors a Merry Christmas. Thank you for another outstanding year from Jim and Brenda Haskett at Truebill Builders. Online at TruebillBuilders.com. Hey, I'm former New York City cab driver Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me weekdays from 10 to 1 on Fox Across America on AM 930 and 103.9 FM KROE.